Welcome to the Working Well Podcast. I'm Tim Boris, CEO of Fresh Wellness Group. This show explores the diverse aspects of workplace health and personal performance. On the Working Well Podcast, we dive into the foundations of what makes wellness work in workplaces around the world. We connect with corporate leaders, executives, and industry experts who are helping make life more awesome at work and home. Join us to learn workplace wellness best practices, personal performance tips, and access resources to jumpstart your personal and corporate programs. Michelle Berg is the Chief Visionary Officer at Elevated HR, an employee experience agency located in Calgary, Alberta. Since 2010, Michelle and her team of nine have supported over 500 companies internationally with various people and culture program initiatives. Michelle is currently pursuing her master's degree in counseling psychology with the desire to help organizations sort out their issues in a group therapy setting. And if she's learned anything from this pandemic, organizations are certainly struggling with communication. She is a DISC certified facilitator and has held her Chartered Professional in Human Resources designation since 2005. She facilitates and develops course curriculum in both employee experience and leadership development with the goal of making work suck less. Welcome to the show, Michelle. It's so great to have you on the, on the episode and to see you again. So uh, a question I ask everyone, what has the last, I'll call it 15 months now looked like for you? Uh, I think nothing short of a roller coaster. Um, I, I, I think that's probably the easiest way to describe what the last 15 months are. Um, our highs have been so incredibly high and the unfortunate part is our lows have been so low that there were times we weren't sure if we were going to survive. Um, <laughs> but here we are and we're surviving. I, I think my team would even venture to say we're thriving at this point and just so very excited to be in a position, hopefully shortly, yet still want to be safe, but that will be together uh, soon as well. I am I'm definitely looking forward to that. I'm not even sure if I know how to communicate very well in person anymore. <laughs> so uh, yeah, I, I am ready to get off this ride, if you will, and, and maybe start a new one. Well, and that's a great point. The change is inevitable it's always happening now the last 15 months the change has been ex- exponentially faster than normal but yeah. you know you started elevated hr around what's almost 11 years ago now coming up in yeah. august things have changed dramatically since you started it particularly in the last year so t- tell me a little bit about that journey yeah i i you know, we didn't necessarily shift a ton in the last year other than, um, well, you know, we've always been a results only work environment. And I've always been a proponent um, that you don't need to be at your desk or in your office to be productive. Um, Not that we were as remote as we are today, but we've always had remote workers. Um, So for us, I think as elevated, the shift wasn't nearly as difficult as what some of the other organizations that we were supporting were. But even during the time when I really reflect, you know, where my thoughts were on on what you need to do if you're going to be a fully remote organization versus what you need to do today, that certainly has shifted. I was listening to podcasts or even webinars that I had started, you know, back in March of, (laughs) of the pandemic, March of 2020. And going, nope, nope, that was not advice that I would listen to today. Um, and, and, and so we certainly have shifted in just terms of accountability, productivity, 
um, those kinds of things. But, but for us, we really, as Elevated, we've continued to operate in our, in our unique little bubble, recognizing that again, results are all about product, uh, what it is that you say you're going to do and then following through on that. And that's kind of what we were able to stick with during this journey. Um, yeah. So we still offer the same consultative services. I think probably the benefits are that our, our reach now is further than it's ever been because people are better with remote as well. So now we're, we're helping people from super east where we kind of always shied away from just with time changes, et cetera, but it actually works. And so we're finding just, yeah, just that, that our reach, our, our I guess the other major shift too is um, training and development. For example, we, we run a leadership, um, a leadership essentials course and we, and we lead an employee experience course. And now people from all over North America are joining us, whereas they used to come only if they were in Calgary. So that would be a major shift. Um, Yeah, there's, I mean, there's little things, I guess, when I reflect, but at the same time for us, I think, I think we've just continued, continued our journey. That's great. And yeah, there, there are always bright spots in, in any change, no matter how challenging it is. And being able to see those and capitalize on it is a huge part of success coming out of the pandemic. Absolutely. Tell me a little bit about how you think HR has shifted in the last year. What's the, the role of HR now? And you said you're still providing some the same services, but they're being, I guess, delivered in a different way, but is there a, a different focus, I guess you would say you would have? Um, I don't want to speak for other HR professionals necessarily, but I know for us, a much bigger focus has been on wellness and psychological safety over the last 15 months. Um, and, and I think so many things happened during the pandemic when you even think about just, you know, what happened with George Floyd, for example. And there is this new requirement, I think, of being mindful. And, and, and when I say it's a requirement, I, I say that intentionally. Um, HR people were typically tend to be tone police. We write policies for the sake of policies sometimes. And now when we needed a new lens around psychological safety, we needed a new lens around wellness, we needed a new lens around just even microaggressions. It's really flipped the script in how we show up and how do we really build an inclusive environment that promotes belonging. That has been, I mean, we were always on a trajectory, but that's just gone exponential in terms of the needs and the skill sets that HR people need to have now. Never mind the fact that people have stopped. I don't know if they've stopped knowing how to do it, but communication has taken between departments, between people, has taken a significant dive, we've noticed um, as well. And so really being able to maneuver and um, even mediate, I guess, between people, that's a new skill too that we've adopted at a, at a, in a much quicker trajectory that we've required anyways to help organizations to just to continue to survive. Um, and, and realistically, a lot of organizations are asking us about how do we, how, how do we make this better? How do, we, how do we learn to communicate differently? But we're all going through our own journeys right now, specifically as it relates to wellness. And so it's really remembering to shift and to pivot based on who the other person is. Um, and so for us, I think that's been probably the, hard, the biggest 
change and shift is this mindfulness of, of where people are at in their own journey during the pandemic. That's a really great point too. And uh, one of the other guests we had on, I uh, was talking on the leadership side and how it, being able to take care of yourself and boost your energy and your, your own mindset helps you be a better leader. And uh, on the flip side of it too, when we're talking to someone, it's you're not picking up as many of the call it nonverbal cues, particularly with so many people having cameras off and you're talking to a team's bubble or uh, an initial or something on the screen. And so that's that's harder to pick up those nuances that you might in person. Yeah. So I love the fact that you say we have to be aware of what other people are going through and also place that in, in our own context. Yeah. I'm curious to say, uh, uh, hear what you say about the, the communication between departments. And uh, while I, I don't have as much experience as that on the, the various departments side, I've heard a lot of people say that they actually have a lot more connection with uh, executive leadership now mm-hmm. because there are a lot more communications going out from the executive team com- than they were before, maybe with all the things going on. Is that something you would uh, agree with or what, have you seen that? I think it's company specific. I okay. think a lot of executives that I've worked with are struggling with their own journeys as well. And where they at one time had to be stoic and, you know, and we're used to that as the role, this has just taken a whole new toll. Um, And so I've actually, I I was just in a meeting yesterday and one of the commonalities of the phrases that I use is, well, what would you have done in person? Is this something that you would have chosen to communicate or, or, or not communicate if you were there with everyone? And, and it's this, again, I think, I think it's so easy to slip into our own our own wormhole inside that we forget about what it's like to show up for everyone else. Cause again, you're right. We only have to show up maybe some of the time. It's not like people are watching us with the same eyes. So it's certainly one of the recommendations that we've made is that you cannot over communicate during the pandemic. And the more you can put yourself out there, the better. We also obviously see it in the research that says, you know, something like there's 52% more meetings happening in a calendar month now than there were prior because nobody's driving or walking or, you know, you quite literally my, my steps today say I have moved, you know, all of 300 because it's been zoom to zoom to zoom to zoom. Um, And, and, and I think that that so there's the ability to be in more meetings and to connect more. And again, if if there's those executives that really want to connect, because it is important, it is meaningful. I, I do see it. I can't say it's a trend, though, that I'm seeing in all the organizations we work with anyways, but it is the top organizations are certainly reaching out more and communicating in a, in a much different, much better light, for sure. Yeah, and I guess that goes to how people are dealing with their own personal circumstances, right? If the, if the executive team is feeling overwhelmed and struggling and they may not have the support, it's hard to be that positive reach out and that connection to, to the rest of the organization. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, Yeah. And you spoke to it a little bit and uh, this is as business owners, I guess we have a different perspective than, uh, than uh, some other executives or leaders at companies is that we might be consulting 
and uh, working with clients on certain issues, but we also have that to deal with internally. Uh, and you mentioned about the, you've always had a, you know, I guess, work or results-based uh, organization. Mm-hmm. Tell me what the, how that shifted a little bit or how you've stepped up as a leader yourself in, in your own organization to, to help your team through some of these challenges. Well, I, I, I think, first of all, I have an incredible team um, and I have not been the greatest leader during this. I have certainly hit my own burnout peaks and, um, you know, have not always been as motivated as I was pre-pandemic. Um, and so I think just knowing that I could be vulnerable with my team and I could ask them for help when help was required um, gave me the space and the need to kind of just, you know, okay, reset, reconfigure and move forward. Um, you know, we're, we're easier to track productivity than most organizations because if we're not at a client, we're not getting paid. And so, I mean, our, our product is our hours. So we know exactly, you know, if we're writing a handbook, for example, and it took someone 22 hours and it normally takes someone 16 hours, you know, we know exactly where productivity is taking a dip versus if you're actually going ahead or, or, or making gains on it. So we have a little bit of, again, people, people are our product and our time. It's the time that we sell. So it's been a little bit different, but, but I've noticed, you know, what used to be 80%, you know, we would look for 80% billable, for example, we've dropped that um, because it just became this um, too much of a focus and people were losing themselves again in in terms of the tracking. And I I can't tell you necessarily why, but it was across the board that we had to make that shift. And I just said, you know what, we're going to do what's right for the client now too. And so we still track our time, still track our hours. What I would suggest now is a little bit different is that I don't, I don't, you know, necessarily say, well, why are your hours at 60 this, this, you know, this month when they should have been at X, that's, that's been a major change, I guess, for us in that, but because we know what our results are, we've always tracked what our results are. I still know we're doing, you know, X percent better than we were beforehand. And that's still something that I, that I pay attention to, but I'd be nowhere if I didn't have my team, if I was doing this by myself, um, I don't think elevated would, would be here today at all well and that perfect example is that no business would be there where they are without people (laughs) and and you're a solopreneur if at that point and uh yeah or, or just a standalone consultant and and really businesses thrive based on the teams and what you said earlier about not necessarily being a a great leader throughout that i would say what you mentioned is actually an example of great leadership so it's all you know pat yourself on the back <laughs> being vulnerable no, it's, with your it's team it's really hard you know right it's it's hard to it's hard to admit that you don't have all the answers and 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 that you don't just want to do it and and that was kind of it though it was that aha moment for me that said I could be a solopreneur I could have just you know it could just be a me shop I could say goodbye we could we could just do it and and I learned though that I don't like doing this without my team. That's the other side. That's 
there is this, I don't, I don't mind working remotely. I like being at home. I like collecting my thoughts. I'm a, I'm an introverted extrovert, extrovert. There's no question. Um, and so I, ha it's not like I'm missing my people all the time, but I, but the team, I, I just can't, um, I'm in awe sometimes when I think about how they've rallied together uh, with me and for me and by me. And um, I, I don't want to do this alone. That's what I know now after the pandemic, 100%. Yeah. And not everyone's good at everything. Right. <laughs> and so we have what we're, what we're best at. And then we, we have hire people and have teams that help us with the things that we're not best at and sure. that they're even better at. Yeah. So Absolutely. that's, yeah, that's part of the process. And what, um, I, you know, I'd love to dive a little bit more into what you see some of the biggest challenges that companies are facing. We, you'd mentioned mental health uh, and uh, the stress and uncertainty is really high. What other things are you seeing in, in your clients right now that uh, maybe are much more heightened compared to where, where they were before the pandemic? Oh, well, before... Uh... <laughs> I, I'm not sure. I think everything is pretty pandemic related. I would say that the biggest issue right now is twofold. One is um, the debate on vaccinations. I, I would say is it's the number one question we're getting asked right now. Can I make them mandatory? Should I make them mandatory is the other side. Um, we've got you know, some lawyers and human rights activists saying absolutely not. And then you've got the other side saying, absolutely, it's the only way to keep the population safe. So it's this constant debate of, of what should we do? What should we mandate? And, and that's adding additional stress um, and barriers for employees as well. But the second part of this now is we were in such a panic at pandemic when everyone had to shut down. I am seeing the same panic of the pandemic, post-pandemic now happening in terms of, well, you know, when do we communicate when we're opening? Are we opening? Are we flexible? Are we not flexible? And organizations making a decision right now to go 100%, we're right back to where we were. To me, that's probably the most dangerous decision that they're communicating right now because um, competition is very real. Uh, Canadians are losing to American companies left, right, and center right now who have figured out the remote work life. So now they're making more money working for an American company. Um, and, and that's just one of it. But competition in general, we're seeing, and again, even I think Forbes just wrote the article that when, when companies are mandating you to come back, 25% of staff are saying, no, I'm not coming back. I, I like this. I want choice and flexibility. And then of course, we know the research with burnout also says that if you want to reduce burnout, you got to give control back to people and control is over where they're working. So um, this is by far the biggest stress that most organizations are facing as, as well, can I mandate which days then? Should they be Mondays and Fridays? And, and I just think too many, going from a world of where we really got to choose how we show up to a world of rules and regulations and frameworks that I'd argue didn't really work that well pre-pandemic either. Now you're suddenly trying to go back to once was, I think it's a big mistake. And that's the debate that we are consistently having in many of the organizations that we work with. 
Absolutely, yeah. I would even say that twenty five percent is uh, is low. I I saw a couple studies. Uh, one was out of Australia, and I think it was a couple thousand people. And it was like fifty percent said that they would at least want a hybrid uh, option. Well, they definitely want it. Twenty five percent are quitting on the spot, though. Like oh, that's okay. what they've already seen. <laughs> Okay, and that so, makes more and, sense. And the, project, and, and the projection in North America this year is a 40%, like on average will be a 40% turnover rate. Um, and that's primarily because nobody really voluntarily left in, in um, 2020 because of the instability factor. But anyone yeah. that was kind of thinking about it pre-pandemic did stayed. Now they're really thinking about, is this the place that I want to be? So it's just going to go up exponentially because it's time to make a change and add on um the demands of coming back full time well that's an easy decision because there will be other roles that i can find that will give that flexibility they're the ones that are going to win in the end i i fully believe that that companies that continue to embrace the flexibility i agree this this past 15 months has showed us that most work can be done anywhere anytime and yeah, with the exception of, I, I always feel somewhat bad. We always, you know, it's so easy for us to talk about that's, that's the professional office setting, obviously the yeah. frontline workers yeah. and those people that continue to give their lives for us during the pandemic and put themselves at risk during the pandemic. I am so thankful to them. And of course they can't do that, but there too, I, I, you know, I, I'm hopeful that we're going to see higher wages in those kinds of roles because of what they've done and what they did and what they sacrificed for the majority of us to continue to live our lives, you know, but yes, in the professional settings, for sure, that's, that's the conversation that we're having. Yeah. Yeah. Short of the, the frontline workers that have to be there, but there, I know quite a few doctors that, uh, you know, some GPs, for example, that they're doing, a huge percentage of their yeah their business over telemedicine right now yeah and I've, the ones I've talked to are loving it yeah some of them for some things but they they said yeah they're they're going to go back into the the clinic or the office for certain days but not everyone and and even when they're in the office some of the times they're in there some of the patients they see may not be in the office because right you don't have to go down to the doctor's office for a lot of things these days. Yeah. No, I think, again, that's such a huge silver lining is that they totally expedited telemedicine. And I think that is, it's so good. Same with psychologists, yep. you know, the, the ability now to reach a psychologist and the use of things like better help on a more regular basis where you can be anywhere it saves a commute, it saves time and people still get the support that they need. And so for me, again, I, I love how much has been accelerated during the pandemic. I just wish it didn't take the whole world to stop to figure that out first. Yeah. Well, the, yeah, the, the, the use of technology, the comfort with technology and the ability to use it to solve some of the problems we were facing is outstanding. I, yeah. I really, truly hope, well, I, I even have to hope, I would imagine that that's going to continue <laughs> accelerating uh, even when much more physical interaction happens and people go back to the office, whatever that looks like, or people are more businesses are open. I think there's still going to be that use of technology. And I, I just have to think of the health and fitness industry too, for that. Uh, Absolutely. Online fitness is not going anywhere. No. <laughs> even when no. people go back to fitness classes and 
the gym and things like that. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. And with, um, I guess the, the barriers that companies are, are facing now, the, uh, based on what you're saying, would you agree that it's a big part of its mindset with certain organizations or the culture in an organization? Uh, yeah, how do you, it, how do you speak to that? Yeah, it's definitely mindset. Um, I think, <laughs> you know, whether this is ageist or not is another, <laughs> is another question, but I know a lot of the ones where I'm struggling, they'll admit they're like, well, maybe I'm just a, you know, too old or I'm a boomer. And I, and I just expect work to be done in a certain way. Maybe I'm too old fashioned, you know, that comes up quite regularly in conversation about the desire and the need to have it back. And, and I keep just pushing back saying, but you've learned how to do it. You've survived. You, you, you know, you're here now. Um, yeah, there's just this, I, I, I think, you know, once you've done something for so long, even 15 months doesn't necessarily change your mind. Um, and, and so I think that's just, people are stuck in that's the way it is. And yet, again, I've always been a proponent. I've always said that the best work does not necessarily happen from nine till five. That is not measure success or productivity. And the water cooler and the gossip talk did not necessarily add to your culture either. You know, so you got, it's, 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 it's weighing the pros and the cons during the whole thing. And again, I think, you know, the, the, the big thing around the office is I'm not saying to abandon it, but what I am saying is that, you know, the workplace is now going to become the culture space. It's going to be the place for innovation. It's going to be the place for education and collaboration. And that's why you still need an office to bring people together. It's just not the thing that you need every single day, all day long, and certainly not measured by button seats in front of a computer. That's not the measure of success. So challenge yourself to look beyond that is what is the conversation that we're having, but you nailed it. It's mindset. And it's, it's making a commitment that, yeah, just because we've made the 15, last 15 months work, um, you know, don't necessarily go back to the old ways or the old habits that they weren't necessarily that successful for you. Look to be innovative now. How can you be different? How can, you know, that's, the, we all had to pivot that way. Let's not pivot back. That's, that's where I sit anyways. Yeah. And that's a huge part of the mindset is the people that are, I think that I've seen at least from the coaching and uh, consulting I've done is that those who are seeing this as a change has happened, but they're waiting for it to go back to quote normal are, are really struggling because normal doesn't exist anymore. Um, there's call it a new normal if you want, but the, I, I always say the next normal because it's going to change again, may fast. not change as fast, but being able to take what's working, continue it and adapt to, to change things that haven't been working, I guess you would say. Yeah. And uh, so on that note, clients that you've worked with and companies that you've worked with that are actually doing well and thriving and have pivoted properly or effectively, what, mm -hmm. what types of things are they doing? Well, they're still keeping culture top of mind, uh, whether it was wellness checks that we would do with each individual, they would actually contract us to, to call just to make sure everyone was okay, having those one-on-one -on -one conversations um th that was big their own connection time like you said you know the executives that really do reach out and try 
Um, it's not just about Zoom bingo anymore. I mean, that was the big in the beginning where everyone would be doing that. I think people are tired of Zoom, but I was really impressed. Like one of our clients <clears throat> would send, you know, they, they used to have, they would all go out and they would party. So they would send, you know, whether it was a, a um, they did a wine testing. So they would tell you which stores to go get the wines from. And then they would bring someone in to do wine, wine tasting from that perspective or beer tasting. And then they would also do something that I thought was really smart from an inclusivity perspective. They also had a mocktail night. So they would set it and, you know, set up these times and set up these dates where they were sharing. We, we've certainly brought in um, far more speakers on fitness and keeping motivated um, there's been lots more investment in resilience training um, things like that sharing um, but even you know prior to this last little bit of a lockdown there was lots of times where they would meet small groups in the park outside um, you know to and and they would support all of those things too so just getting creative with how can we still connect how can we still meet um, while being cognizant of what the rules are and still trying to keep people safe um, they, they would try things like breakfast together. They would do MTV tours of houses to get, you know, like um, the cribs, MTV cribs, you know, they would take people on house tours. Um, and, and so, yeah, it was just really about getting creative and innovative in, in different and unique ways. And those that thrived continued it even past the Zoom. Like, you know, when we started to notice Zoom fatigue and that was the big word, they kept pushing through that too, because what's the alternative? is zero connection. Yeah. And so, yeah, so let's switch it up. You know, now people are allowed a little bit more often to turn off their videos than they were in the beginning. And that's just because it is hard to look at your face the whole time, um, you know, and, and switching it up between phone versus video. We don't always need to be on video, that's okay. And so again, it's just looking for more ways to be flexible. Those are the organizations that I see that continue to thrive. And then of course, keeping the conversation around mental wellness alive and well on a regular basis. Those companies that started the conversation early in the pandemic, but have continued the conversation have just allowed for better and more authentic conversations as well at work, which again, um, lends itself to higher productivity and efficiency. Yeah. You, awesome. I love those, uh, those ideas too. And yeah, it goes back to communication, caring, uh, connection, being able to facilitate that and well you know zoom bingo may have worked for a little bit uh, it's adapting and you know the even the bring your pet to meeting thing like that and have a introduce your kids and all these different things that are happening i know my, my wife she's working upstairs right now and you know my kids when they were at home from school they're they happen to be in the same in the bonus room with them we've got three desks set up and and i uh won the lottery and uh get the the office right now so <laughs> but that those types of things are happening all the time uh you know my daughter's doing a science presentation and my wife's in a meeting and everyone on the meeting gets to hear about the four-eyed fish <laughs> so, <laughs> in her science class so right. it, th there are always things like that happening but I, f I feel there that that's been a connection that helps people realize that hey everyone's in the same boat and we're we're all rowing in the same direction I guess you would say we're, we're still supporting each other and uh, I was doing a corporate presentation the other day and my cat 
the fights with the neighbor's cat through the window. Oh, just yeah. outside the window of my office. And there was this like, cat fight literally outside my window. And I was, you know, 40, 50 people on the on the presentation. I'm like, hey, that's not something I can plan for. I'm really sorry oh. about that. Everyone no. had a good laugh and we just kept going. But that's something that it's happened so often to different people in different ways that people are good with it. And I think that's a positive thing that we can carry carry forward from this is the what, the reality or the humanity of life and what uh that we don't have to be so buttoned up and serious in in the work workplace anymore yeah yeah and i know too there's boundaries that some of us have and 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 want to maintain and keep you know i sure. think that's been a challenge too is that certainly there are some team members that would like to keep work and life separate but you know, that's one of the things the pandemic kind of forced upon us is that's not an option anymore. And, and so it just depended on how open or available people were to take off their armor and show up fully as who they were. But, you know, when they would, or when they did, in my experience, anyways, everyone was fully, you know, fully accepted. Uh, you know, that was never an issue. Maybe, maybe barring, you know, in the beginning, people were taking their laptops to the bathroom with them and forgetting that they had, you know, taking their laptops with them and that they were still on screen. You know, I'm glad some of those lessons are over and done with now. You don't hear about those things anymore. Or that my favorite was like the, the lawyer with the cat filter uh, on during Zoom and didn't know how to get that one off. I mean, even that was completely endearing. And, and, you know, there the judge just kept going. So it's clear you can, you know, no matter what happens, you can, you can make it through and keep going. And, and um, I think, you know, again, there are so many positives. We just tend to focus a lot of times on the negatives because we're just in it and we're tired of it. And, you know, some of us are feeling very trapped as well. And, um, and, and so it is important to look at what's coming, but again, not forget the important and awesome lessons and, and opportunities that we got during this as well. Yeah. And we, you alluded to it a little bit, but in a, in your mind, in a perfect world moving forward in terms of how businesses adapt to the vaccines and the opening back up, what does that look like to you from, uh, from a corporate culture and business standpoint? Yeah, you know, the decision that I've made along with many of our clients is, you know, say things continue on the path, the positive path that they're on right now. We're seeing most organizations not make anything mandatory until after the long weekend in September. Um, Just recognizing that even people with children, getting them back to school and what that's going to look like now, what that new routine is going to be like with also coming back to work, but still really recognizing that vaccinations are a personal decision as much as, you know, we're seeing a lot of people being pushed into it and so on and so forth. It is still a personal decision. So being respectful of that, I think, you know, in order to keep people safe, um, you know, one of the things we didn't have this year really was the flu. And so, you know, even things like that of not being a martyr anymore, coming to work sick, like you're not going to be allowed to. And so is that 50-50 and how does that look? All of these things are still really at the forefront. Um, But again, it's choice and hybrid model is what's really, I think, going to make people um, that that's, that's the ideal. And again, like I say, most people are not asking real returns until until September. And when teams hear that, they go, oh, 
okay, I can plan. I can plan, like maybe I can go work from a Soyuz for the summer then, or I can go visit my parents, my folks who I haven't seen in so long, but I can work from Manitoba, for example, for a couple of weeks. That's just, again, it gives them more control. And especially coming into it, now you can ease back in into what work, the old work life, a little bit of the old work life, make that transition simpler um, rather than just like a faucet being turned on or off. I, I think those that's what I'm hearing primarily. And it's the same choice that I've made as well at Elevated. Excellent. Yeah. And great insights. The one thing that is, I guess, related to that a bit, uh, the mental health, the well-being uh, is vacation time. Hmm. And I know there are a lot of people who haven't haven't taken vacations they've canceled trips they've just been working all the way through so a lot of people aren't getting the breaks that they've needed and right. once things open up how do you see that playing out from a vacation time standpoint oh it's gonna be it's gonna be a panic there's no there's no question i mean it was part of the reason at elevated too i actually started mandating everyone takes one week off per quarter um because people weren't taking the time off and for us, we used to have an unlimited vacation time anyways, but when you have unlimited vacation and you're not going anywhere, it really isn't that great of a benefit, right? They're not even keeping the cash anymore, realistically. Um, and we always closed down at Christmas time for two weeks. So that's that was irrelevant, but it was no other time is being taken off. And if you don't plan to take time off, it never happens. So we just said, you know, take it off now. And then when you can really take some time off as well, we'll, we'll coordinate it. But staycations were really important to us, even if they weren't going anywhere, because that, and, and the other thing that we do is we, we mandate a total disconnect from work, like stop looking at your emails, take it off your phone, that kind of a thing. Um, and organizations are definitely struggling already with like the sheer amount of volume of liability that they have on the books because people just didn't take it. And so planning, communicating, um, you know, doing all the same things that you needed to, that you used to have to do, getting ahead of it now, that's really going to be the trick. Um, and then of course, you know, I've already read to some organizations are making the decision about like, hey, look, we're gonna allow you to carry forward, but do what you can this summer. So again, it's that it's that openness to the flexibility of the conversation that's that's important. But yeah, I worry, I, I mean, I worried from my team perspective to the point where actually if they take, not only do they have to take the week off, I also give one wellness day a week or one wellness day a month off as well paid. And if they take both plus the week, I give them an additional 1% bonus at the end of the year too, because that's how much I want them to take the time off for them. But it's it's looking for new ways to incentivize because yeah, people just weren't doing it. They were like, well, if I'm at home, I may as well be on the laptop. And no, you gotta disconnect. You gotta, you gotta shut down from work occasionally. Um, that's my belief anyways. Yeah, absolutely. And our coaches are constantly talking to our corporate clients about that is that disconnect when they're you're working from home they're, they're the it blurs the lines and uh, it's just easy to just, you know, open up the laptop or flip through on the phone and yeah, being able to set that that hard stop to the workday. Yeah. is even if it's a psychological like things like the um psychological commute where you just walk around the block and come back Ooh. home Whew, done yeah. yeah so that's good that's good to hear and uh 
I think more organizations should take your lead on the on the vacation side. <laughs> and and again, I'm not taking anything away from them. I'm just encouraging them to do it and and to follow through and incentivizing. Yeah. Absolutely. And and you mentioned uh earlier about companies uh or Canadian companies getting um employees going to work for US companies because they can work from home. What's the solution to that other than allowing people to work remotely uh, when you all of a sudden are competing on a global basis? How, how is that impacting uh, Canadian, Canadian business from your perspective? Well, specifically where we're seeing it hardcore is in the tech side uh, of business right now. Um, that's, that's the greatest competition. Um, and especially companies when you've got like Amazon, Shop- well, and Shopify is a Canadian company, but they were the biggest thorn in my side earlier on in the, in the pandemic because their growth was exponential this year. And yeah, they're taking all our great developers out of the city. Um, you know, it is, it's, it's the same thing though that it's always been where, you got to make sure that people are paid fairly and that you know can live their lives so that's number one i don't i don't know if i necessarily subscribe to overly generous pay but certainly you got to pay them well you can't be you, you, you can't be sitting at the 25th to 50th percentile anymore you got to you got to put your money where your mouth is but then you do have to focus on career growth and so the number one reason why people are leaving organizations specifically the study i saw about the 40% turnover was due to the fact that there was no more career growth that they weren't having the conversations about that um, that there wasn't a purpose and so really being mindful again of purpose and trajectory and where do people want to go and how do they want to get there supporting them through conversations through that is super important and then again just really making sure that your purpose is aligned with theirs that'll keep people i'm seeing it keep people i work i work at several small tech or work with several small tech companies and they are managing to hang on to their talent um and but it's transparency and vulnerability uh, you know and and really a um an environment that's built on trust that's what keeps people ultimately as long as again they're paid they're, they're paid at that base that I, I can't say you can underpay anymore, um, but you certainly, you know, there's reasons why people don't want to join the big conglomerates either because they get lost, they're a number. So if you can make people still feel like they're someone and they, they mean something, you'll be able to keep people too. Yeah. And I think that goes regardless of what's happening in the economy is that oh. people want to be where they feel valued and there's a purpose and they have a, a vision of where they can go and grow and learn yeah yeah and awesome yeah very cool so we've talked about a lot of different topics today where what haven't i asked about that you're like we need to talk about this what <laughs> what's another hot uh, hot button or hot topic in uh your your sphere or in hr um, business that you want to talk about yeah, I mean, I, I don't know if we've missed anything. I think, again, psychological safety is probably um, what it is versus what it isn't, right? I think I think people are using psychological, psychological safety because there has been some big boundaries, especially during the pandemic, that have been crossed. 
Um, but on the flip side, I sometimes see psychological safety is also being used as armor by some employees too. It, it almost like it advocates them from accountability and that's not psychological safety. To me, psychological safety is really just about being clear as being kind. I'm a, I'm a big proponent of Brene Brown for sure. And, and setting out what, what it is that people are expected to do. And I, I find these conversations that we have around communication is because people aren't being clear. And, and, and you said it earlier, you know, from a tone and a body language perspective, it certainly is harder to either see it through a Zoom, a Zoom lens or even through email or Slack messages. And so, again, I think people are, are, are reading into messages sometimes, but at the same time, others are not being mindful of how their message is being received either. And we talk so much about in, intention, but intention only goes so far because it's the impact that we've got to be worrying about, but impact again is about results and is about accountability. And I think that's probably one of the bigger stressors too, is how do I still hold people accountable when we're not in the same room anymore? And, and I want them to know that I'm being nice and that I care for them. But again, being nice doesn't mean that you're letting them get away with everything and they're allowed to do whatever they want. Being nice means that you're being clear with your intention, being clear with your expectations and holding people accountable and that they're getting the same consistent experience from you each and every time. That's what really leads to psychological safety is who you are is who I'm going to get each and every time as a leader. And so it's, again, it's being mindful of that, of how I'm showing up, how I'm showing up for my, for others. I would say that that honestly is probably the biggest issue um, that people have not been able to fully figure out yet during the pandemic. And I'm very curious to see how this is going to land post pandemic as well. When we're back in the office, does it get worse or does it get better? That's, that's definitely the next you know, that, that, that's kind of where we're at with things right now. Well, a lot of the psychological safety side that you talked about goes back to what you said earlier is people are coming, people are dealing with their own stuff and who they're talking to, that person's dealing with their own stuff. And until we can see and, and I guess comprehend what we're dealing with and what the other person is dealing with and how our communication might be impacted by that, that, that creates some, I know, even just in my own marriage, <laughs> it's talking to my, my wife when, you know, when I'm triggered about something and she's got something else going on and we're trying to have a conversation, it rarely goes well until we can look at it through the lens of, okay, yeah, I was probably on edge because of this. And oh, I can see that, yes, she's happened going through this and then being able to have that conversation without those other distracting factors makes life so much easier, whether it's in a marriage or at work. Yeah, no, totally. I get that. Yeah. Oh, that's, and I hadn't, I actually hadn't connected the, that type of communication with the psychological safety. So thank you for that. Yeah. Learned something new today. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> and all right. So it, and we could keep chatting forever, but uh, let's, uh, Wrap, any final thoughts that you want to say before before we wrap up? Well, first of all, thank you just for having me on your show today. I, I do appreciate it. It's similar, just 
time, even getting just a chance to really reflect on, on the last 15 months, I think is such a gift. You know, it is all about go, go, go all the time and what's next. And so having this opportunity to really, to really dig into those, those great lessons again, um, certainly has just lent itself again to such a positive mindset. And I, I, I feel certainly energized and I, and I think sometimes that's what we forget to do too, right? It's, it's, it's acknowledging and recognizing the moment that we're in, where we where we came from and where we've gotten to is is something that we have to remember to to reflect upon as well. And so so for me, it's taking the time for yourself, especially during this period, to say, hey, giving yourself that space and that grace, and to say, holy crap, we're still here, we're still surviving, and and we're going to be okay. And 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 just sitting in that moment and and you know appreciating it so thank you for the opportunity today that that's really my final words that's my pleasure and uh this whole 15 months has been building our resilience muscles right <laughs> absolutely <laughs> and all right so where where can people find you um website. Uh, well I, I you know um elevatedhr.com is our website um, we are on all social media platforms. You can find me on LinkedIn. I'm pretty vocal on LinkedIn, just under uh, Michelle Berg as well. Um, you know, I like to share on a, on a regular basis, kind of like experiences that I'm having. Hey, it's kind of like a journaling moment for me as well. I kind of use LinkedIn as a business journal. And, um, and, I, and I like learning from others there too. So yeah, so pretty much anywhere uh, you can find, <laughs> we're, we're out there. Let's just say that. <laughs> awesome. And one area we didn't get into, and we might have to save this for a whole other, whole other episode is Disrupt HR. Uh, you helped get that going and you've been, I, yeah, it's been, it's an amazing organization. And so any HR people out there that are looking for really cool ideas, check out Disrupt HR. We're hoping that, to be back. We're hoping to be back, you know, as soon as again, that um, we're able to have some events a little bit more spread out uh, as well still. But, you know, we're great friends with Alberta Jubilee. And so we're hoping even, you know, that can, I don't know, it can house like 2000 people. So if we have 200 and in a place that can house 2000, then I think everyone will still be safe and we still get to share ideas. But yeah, Disrupt HR was just, just a phenomenal place to meet people like yourself and um, with new ideas, new thoughts, um, and just a really great way to innovate the people and culture space. I, I sure do hope that we're back as, as, again, as soon as it's safe to do so. We thought about the Zoom, but again, we were our, ourselves were Zoom fatigued. <laughs> Yeah. And uh, so we decided not to do it. And we were just going to wait to have a really great event when, when we could and when it was safe to do so. So thanks for, and thanks for that plug too. Fantastic. Well, I look forward to the, the next event and uh, I will definitely be there. Awesome. Okay. Awesome. All right. Well, thank you again so much. It's been an honor to have you on the show and I hope everyone got tremendous value from the, the insights you shared. And I know I have, I look forward to catching up again hopefully in person sometime. Right. Definitely. We'll, uh, we'll, we'll see you very soon. Okay. Thank you. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Working Well podcast. If you enjoyed the show, don't forget to rate and review us wherever you get your podcasts. We'd love to hear your experiences and how you've applied tips from the show to your daily life. So please keep us posted on your progress. 
To stay up to date with new episode releases, make sure to subscribe to our mailing list by emailing podcast at freshgroup.ca and follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in. And once again, I'm Tim Boris with Fresh Wellness Group. We'll see you on the next episode.